0: We're starting a series this morning called Little Things in a sermon I've called Small Habits. I'm sorry. How you doing, Sean? (laughs) This uh, sermon series, I, I think, for God to do what only God can do, you have to do what only you can do. And if you won't do what only you can do in your life, then God won't do what only God can do because God is a good father and he doesn't spoil kids. And so in the house that I grew up in, it was a good and healthy home and uh, mom and dad would do what only mom and dad could do. If you would do what only you could do, there comes a time in everybody's life where, where we got to talk about habits and disciplines, everybody, and I'm sorry, but your spouse is going to be glad I did it. I'm going to be the bad cop this morning and talk about small habits, but, um, As good as your habits are, you've got some bad habits too. If the devil can get you to fixate on this one thought. You ready? This is a powerful thing the Holy Spirit showed me. If the devil can get you to focus and fixate on one thought, he will sub himself out of the game. Because you'll beat yourself. It sounds... So interesting to me. I feel like the Holy Spirit was saying, if the devil can get you to fixate on one thought, this one thought, he will sub himself out because he won't even need to beat you anymore, because he'll beat you. You ready? Here's the thought: they are successful because they are more talented, they started with more, they're smarter, they didn't have my childhood, they don't have the hurdles, they don't have my husband oh yeah (laughs) they have something I don't have that's why they're successful and I'm not I'm going to be preaching about the life of King Jehoshaphat in this whole series and we're going to learn about his father his father started really good he started as a reformer in Israel but then his habits got him out of the blessing and he started fixating on the other kingdoms around him rather than fixating on what God had given him and uh Here's what we're going to start the series with. The predictor of tomorrow's success in your life. What would success look like for you? The predictor is today's habit. The predictor of how how much God can do in your relationship tomorrow depends on your habit today. It does not depend on somebody else's habit. It depends on your habits today that you will form today. Now, the beauty about this whole series is that we're going to be talking about different, different types of discipline. The beauty is you are already expending time and energy on habits. So you don't have to like find, oh, I need to find another hour a day. You're spending far more than that on bad habits. We just need to take them and make them better habits. And when we make them better habits, your life gets a whole lot better and you actually get to the places where God intended you to get to. Thank you, Sean. Habits create supply lines. They create uh, roads and pathways in in, in your life. Now, your emotions, the reason that you feel the way that you feel when you start to argue with somebody is because you have emotional pathways that get you to a destination. Or mental pathways. The reason that you're worried about losing your job constantly is because you have a mental pathway that your habits have gotten you into this place where, where you have emotional and mental pathways that get you here. Spiritual pathways... Some of you, you just feel like you're you're just never good enough for God. It's true, but none of the rest of us are either. And we are okay with being loved and you're not. It's a spiritual pathway that you just have trouble getting to. And what happens is is that the disciplines of your life start forming pathways and and you walk down a pathway once and then twice and then pretty soon you have a a, a river that you just, you you, you beat down the pathway with your feet and eventually it always takes you into a certain place. And so what we have to do is we have to take these bad habits that we, that we tread down these paths and we just have to take them and turn them, most of them not a lot, we just have to take them and turn them so that we create different pathways so that God can get you where God wants you to go. Now, good habits free up so much time and so much energy. And you're already spending your time on, on poor habits. All we have to do is take them and make them good habits and they will free up all sorts of mental space because... The crisis that you're going to face next week or next month or next year with your family or at work or whatever, the crisis you're going to to face, you need mental and emotional and spiritual energy stored up. And bad habits bleed these things out. So the bad habits that you have, they drain your life, but you are going to need them for those big moments that you have so that you have enough time and space and peace and confidence. But bad habits kill confidence. Now, good habits also cross over, and this is an amazing thing. Um, Good habits cross over into other areas of your life. So, men, we all want them to make out with us more. You may not have connected it to this yet, but I'll bet you if you would change something as small as brushing your teeth occasionally. (laughs) And all the men are like, but this has nothing to do with making out. (laughs) Not to you. The smallest thing over here can affect something over here and good habits. When you learn one good habit and turn one, one bad habit into a good habit, it actually bleeds across into different areas of your life and starts benefiting you there as well. So without good habits now, now here's the thought that, that I was shown this week without good habits, success is the last thing you should be asking for because nothing will bury you faster than success will. But you and I spend all of our time praying that God would make us successful. Well, if he made you successful and he made you more influential than you are, you're like, well, only one person has to do what I tell them now. Well, if you had 10 people and you have bad habits, then you get to wreck 10 people's lives. And if you misspend $1, why would $10, you'll just misspend $10 now. And if you can't do this little thing in this part of your relationship right, why would God create more relationships for you or deepen the one that you have if you're going to misspend it and misuse it and... And so right. you have to understand that that six, stop praying for success. Yeah. Leave it up to God and pray that God shows you a habit today that you're going to form that will actually put you in a place where you yeah. can succeed. Yeah. Because success is like building a house, guys. And habits are the foundation that that house rests on. And if you have bad habits, success, the more weight you put on it, is the more that can come down. Yeah. And God is not a fool to give success to people with bad habits. And so we need to form... Habits better habits right now, and God will uh, worry about the rest of the building. Now, habits are our foundation. So, so has anybody ever watched a house being built? Yep. Yep. <coughs> I hired a, a man named Jim, who was um, I, I went to school with his daughter, and he was just a, a contractor in the town that we lived in, and Jim was fussy and fast that 's what you want with somebody ah, building. Yes. He was fussy and fast. And I remember helping him do the footings of my, the first house that I did. And, and um, the footings of that first house, I remember even to this day how fussy he was. I'm like, surely it's got to be okay. This is concrete. This all gets buried. Now, if it was a quarter of an inch out, he would stay there as long as it took. And I'm like, why do you do that? And then I noticed, you know, a wall is not perfectly level. Well, I'm like, I'm not going to notice. Why don't you just nail it down? And He would not stop. He's like, either it's level or it's not level. So get it right. If, if you don't, look, if you start creeping on your bad habits at the foundation of your life, then what happens is the next thing that you build, you'll start, yeah. it'll it'll be out a little bit too. And then the next thing, and then the next thing, and the more the weight that you put on it, eventually it comes to a, a drop dead point where you, where you lose the house or the house falls down because there's this idea that the foundation of your habits really matter. Now, here's a quote that I want you to to take home with you. This is what industry taught me. I was an electrician. I apprenticed in the electrical trade. Do we have any industry people in the house? Now this, you probably heard this before, but the first service was shocked. (laughs) Here's here's what we had pounded into us in industry. If you don't have time to do it right, you don't have time to do it twice. I'm gonna keep clapping till you clap. If you don't have time to do it right, you don't have time to do it twice. Because in industry, man, there's one thing I know, you are always behind. Petka, you are always gonna be behind at that motorcycle shop. We're putting his kids through college right now. no, you will, all, you will never have enough time to get all, the, you'll always be behind, you'll always be under pressure. And if you don't have time to do it right, you do not have time to do it twice. If you want pre-marriage counseling, come to Pastor Aaron. She will be like, if you don't have time to do this right, you definitely do not have time to do it twice. You are not ready yet. you got bad habits. Well, why do you say that that way? And when when he says that, why why do you roll your eyes? Oh, you think she's nice. (laughs) She'll speak truth into your life. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Why did you say that that way? So you mean that Hmm. if you don't have time to do it right, you don't have time to do it twice. We, um, I did a development one time that had a bunch of, um, transformers. And so we we're doing all these uh, Fortis transformers for a development condo and a bunch of buildings. And, and so we, we dug trenches to get there. And we had to put in, uh, you know, Shaw and all these pipes about this big, these pipes and, and, uh, lots and lots of pipes in the trench. And you learn as an electrician because you have to go out and fix things that when you don't backfill pipes, right, it creates problems. It doesn't create a problem in a month, maybe a year, two or three years, what happens is when you backfill and you put the dirt back in, if you don't bed the pipes in sand, a little bit of sand underneath and over top, if you don't bed the pipes in sand, what happens is rocks get in there. And then if a rock rolls up against a pipe and then all of a sudden give, give it a year or two of settling and all of a sudden that rock starts pushing into a pipe. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden things aren't working the way that they ought to yeah. in your house and the lights, they're kind of working, but they start flickering in your marriage or in your parenting, and they start... And a, a rock in the bottom of a trench is like a bad habit. Mm-hmm. And and you don't start with bad habits that necessarily affect you. You can kind of get by with them for a little bit. But after a while, the weight of things starts pushing those rocks into the trenches. And I remember um, I, there was a contractor there named Dennis. And I'm like, Dennis, we need more sand to bed these pipes right. And uh, if we don't bed the pipes right... Um, you know, you're just gonna have problems. And he, he finally says to me, Corey said, that sand's not cheap. And I'm like, Dennis, like, look, I get it because Dennis was probably Dutch. He's, my dad's Dutch, I get it. Sand's not, he's like, look, you know, that truck's gonna cost me 200 bucks or I don't know what it was at the time. I just, this is a lot of sand. And I said, maybe think of it like this, Dennis, is that if it's costly now, think about how much it would cost to dig up the road in front of the condo yeah. in five years time that has been driven on and driven on and feeds this whole area. Imagine digging this up and trying to find the problem later yeah. when the condo doesn't have power anymore because you didn't wanna spring for a little more sand. I said, your habits are like that. And we'd put a person in that trench and I'd be like, if, if a rock rolls in, even on top of that sand, stop the operator and get the rock out. Now today, and in this series, God is gonna get some of the rocks out of your life, which is causing wow. the lights not to turn on. Yeah. Now, now, some of you, some of you have good habits in some areas of your life, but you'll find out that you are undisciplined in other areas of your life. And if you think that you're perfect in all areas of your life, let's talk about the habit of being extremely proud and self-righteous. <laughs> now, this is gonna be like pulling teeth, particularly if you struggle with laziness, but look, I'm gonna be the bad cop because your you know, husband is tired of it. <laughs> Kids are tired of it. So let me be the bad cop here. Now, or you could just take Renee's attitude. Now, Renee loves talks about habits. She's like, this is going to be better than going to Disneyland this series. And I'm like, I love good habits. She keeps our lives here at venues straight. Now, here are some rocks that you'll have to dig the road up for one day. You ready? They don't seem like much right now. But here are some things that God would probably want you to work on in this series. Um, You're three minutes late to work. I'll tell you, if I'm letting a person go, it's the person who's three minutes late to work. Not for a month. If they keep... But if work starts, I'm telling you, being a little bit late all the time, and everybody's like, why, why, why are you special? Are you the boss now? You had a very important phone call before you got here? You just couldn't figure out cornflakes and milk. Yeah. You know? Um, how about this? How about this? Oh, what you don't understand is that all your, all your bad habits, every time you do them, they are micro decisions. All you have to do is change your micro decisions into better micro decisions and to bring success in your life. Some of y'all have a snorting problem. You mean like drugs? Well, some of you, I don't know. Like that's a problem. I just mean like you snort. When somebody says something you don't like, are we animals? Is that what we do? You get your nose, you got a little water in your nose or something? You're you're the dog now. And a little snorting problem. Some of you, you can't, you just can't find a way to be nice to people. What I mean by that is you can't find a way to be nice to the people who got to live with you. You can be nice to everybody else, but man, if they come into your house, you'd be like, whoa. Some of you, you, gotta, you, gotta, you need to wear sunglasses when you're arguing because you glare. You glare like the sun is in your eyes. Is that how we, is that what? Shooting daggers at people, man. You need some sunglasses? Because I'm tired of looking at angry eyes, you know? It's like Mr. Potato Head, you put the angry eyes on. What can we put the... There are these little habits that you don't really realize that, that are causing uh, uh, fractures and are gonna cause problems with the lights coming on in, in your relationship. How about this, arguments escalate. Yeah. Now, now look, we're experts at this. <laughs> arguments escalate, escalate because we just we won't discipline ourselves to be patient in the little things anymore and we know that the other person is always gonna take it in this direction, so let's just go there. You know, there's some, sooner or later you gotta talk yourself back off the ledge and be like, okay, I gotta learn these little disciplines. I just got into some bad habits of just expecting it to go there and just expecting that person and expecting and expecting and expecting. Well, sooner or later, you're the one who's doing it and you just take it there. Okay, that'll hurt your feelings. I'm gonna talk about something else that's gonna hurt your feelings more later. Now, what I didn't really realize was that my apprenticeship, uh, it was hard, it was in industry, it was in the electrical trade. And my apprenticeship, nobody appreciates your apprenticeship. I didn't appreciate it i don't think anybody's that smart who's in the middle of like digging holes in the ground or running pipe under trailer or got an elevator guy back there that's hard work right people used to yell at us and not like yelling encouragement (laughs) maybe that's what they do now but that's not what it was like then. it was it was you know they were hard uh days you didn't feel like you were making all that much money and it was hard work and i don't i don't really know if you know this but your life today is an apprenticeship for what god wants to do tomorrow and i look back now at all the hard days of my apprenticeship and i am so grateful for them now i'm like i learned so much then but i didn't know it at the time um i remember looking at big projects i drive by like a big hotel somewhere and think like who could do so, who could wire a place like that it's so big There's, there must be ten thousand things in there not to forget them. And, and uh the overwhelming part of it but i didn't really realize where success comes from it started the day that i first started working for an electrician i had a tool pouch i had a tool bag Mm -hmm. and i learned in the very first day i learned don't worry about that out there that's tomorrow sometime learn how to put your tools in the tool pouch we didn't even have tool bags back then we just had to carry them all the time which was a nightmare then they found out it wasn't good for your body I don't know how it took 50 years to figure that out, but I learned, okay, my side cutters always go here and then my clients and then something else I can't even remember anymore, which is embarrassing. And then my wire strippers in the front and then my red Robbie screwdriver always goes here and my greenie goes here. And it doesn't sound like much, but I can do that. Anybody not be able to do that? But then the next time when you take out your wire strippers, they gotta go back into the same spot because sooner or later you're going to be holding something up and you're going to reach for a drill. That's not there. Yeah. Or you're going to be reaching and fumbling for a drill bit and trying to put it in your drill with your mouth because, <laughs> and I learned how to keep my tool bag straight. Everything always goes back into the same spot. Now, listen, I, can I just tell you something? You might look at my life right now and be like, yeah, you're super disciplined. you you must have a disciplined personality. <laughs> I am an Enneagram eight with a seven wing, which means like No, (laughs) if you meet like the, I I talked to a Christian psychologist, um, who was coming to the church and then they moved to, to Manitoba and he's like, I have never met an H on the Enneagram who wasn't a complete psychopath, (laughs) not the most disciplined personality. Let me tell you, because eights have a very strong will and we can just find a way to get what we want. And uh, sevens are just like, let's party and invite somebody else so that they, they can actually do all the work that a party requires. Because sevens, man, just I don't like bad news, and I don't like details, and I don't like work. I like parties, man. Let's do this. Uh, so, so, but I grew up in a house where my mother and father drilled discipline in, into me. That was not a natural uh, place for, for me to, to land. I had to learn every And if somebody like me can learn it, y'all can learn it. So I just wanna say that to you, it's not something that I can be proud of, what? Did I have to work hard? Sure. Did I get the results? Sure. But all credit to my parents for training, just training a young boy to pick up his dang shirt off the floor. I'm gonna get into that in a sec. Um, I remember looking at those projects and saying, oh my goodness. Now, the day came eventually that I did all of those big projects and I cannot remember that there was ever a job that we did that I was running that we ever lost money on. And some of them, we started way behind schedule. We started 13% down on one job, 13% behind because the estimator forgot to put an entire system in. And and we never lost money and it has nothing to do with talent or somebody has more energy than you. It has nothing to do with anything, but a skill that you can learn that is based on good habits. And it started with me learning how to put my wire strippers back there and my side cutters back there. And it just learned that started. And then eventually I got a work truck. Now, has anybody seen a tradesman's work truck? If you want to know how your house is going to look. (laughs) I had this one time, a, a super at a job site said, I do this, I do the job interview on site. And then the real interview, I followed them back to their car. Some all 'all. y'all. I look in their car. How old is the sandwich? And he said, if they can't keep a car straight that they live in, why would I think they're going to keep this straight? I had my first, my first um, uh, plumber in my house. I went to get something in his truck for him. And I told my dad after I'm like, I don't know. He's just got boxes and boxes and everything's all mixed together. And my dad says to him, he goes, I love Greg, he said, but Greg spends a half an hour or an hour every single day in the back of that truck trying to find something that may or may not be there. Yeah. Yeah. And I learned how to keep a truck straight. And I learned that they, the, my shop was so disorganized that they would send people to me out of town to get something because they knew I had it. Mm. Oh, wow. Why? Because every day if I took three things out of the truck, I'd write them down and I'd just put them back in there. All it took was a couple of minutes. But if you don't want to spend the time, then you're going to be out 40 miles in the middle of nowhere and you're not going to have the only thing that you needed to get the job done. And then you're going to have to explain to the customer why you're going to have a lot more labor in the bill. than I just learned these things. Now, then, then you learn how to keep a job trailer straight. Mm-hmm. Where all your materials and, and you know all the little stuff in the job goes. And, and um, a guy that used to be my apprentice that I was training on doing some of these bigger sites, he had his first hotel to do. And, uh, and he, he had great... He was great at everything but discipline. And um, he eventually actually ended up buying the company and ran the company like he ran that first job because he was undisciplined. And uh, I don't know how he didn't learn it from me, man, but, but his trailer, he's like, I said, where's your job trailer? I need some, and uh, cause I went to help him on a job. I had about a month lull in mine. so I went to do some control and some stuff that he wasn't familiar with yet. And I went over there to do that. And he's like, well, the, the job trailer is at the, way ba- at the end of the parking lot because I got tired of moving it. I'm like, you go out there how many times a day? He goes, yeah, and when you go out there, take a flashlight. Take a flashlight? He goes, it's dark in there. I'm like, what is it that we do for a living? You're going to put a thousand lights in that building and you don't have any light in that trailer. Well, then I'd have to run a cord to it. You want a cord for my truck? Because I got them. It's all, it's on me. How I go into the trailer and I'm looking around. I'm like, I came out of there and this is what bad habits will do. It'll add so much irritation to your life and anger that doesn't need to be there. You're just tripping over stuff and you can't find, cause you never put it back in its place. And I'm just like, I'm like, I come out of there. So I finally just went and bought it somewhere. And I'm like, I don't, I can't find anything. He ordered outdoor parking plugs four times because he didn't know where they were and couldn't remember if he'd ordered them. I learned, look, if you want to avoid the big freakouts, freak out about the little stuff and freak out about it in your life. If somebody took one box of screws, took the last box of screws off the shelf, I would call them out in front of whoever was there. And I'd be like, hey, king of England, you're gonna have six guys doing that job tomorrow. And then you're gonna have to stop while they're on the clock and find that box of screws somewhere in town. If we got it in town. You too important to go and write it on the board? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, those job sites, people loved going to them. Why? Because everything was clean, everything was in place. It was predictable. We had to change our plans all the time because that's what industry we were in. But I'll tell you what, they loved it. It was predictable, it wasn't frustrating. Why? Because we were just disciplined. And they had to learn, when you came onto our sites, you had to learn, look, if you wanna be disciplined, great. If you don't, go work someplace else where you enjoy chaos and being angry all the time. But that's not who we are here, that's not what we do. We enjoy this. This is so good, pastor, preach it. Oh my goodness. Now, how did I learn this? I learned it at home. Now, some of you didn't learn it at home. Nobody's blaming you for that. But we are going to blame you if you don't learn it when you're 36 or 56. <laughs> so, so this is what I learned at home. You ready? I, everyone like, wants to grow up in my home because my mom and dad are great. And they're great people. But this is why they're great. You ready? One time I left something laying on the floor in the living room. And by the afternoon at 2 o'clock, it was in the garbage and gone. And my dad said, well, you weren't using it. I figured you just guess who didn't leave something on the floor in the living room. You can't pick that shirt up off the floor. You're in between point A and point B. And if you leave a shirt on the floor, it wants a friend because it's lonely. You don't have five seconds. You're too important. You make too much money to walk it to the closet. What happens is your life will be full of shirts on the floor and underpants on the floor. And then you're going to ask everybody else to walk around it. And it's going to frustrate them and it's going to frustrate you because every time you leave a job unfinished, you feel guilty because you ought to because it's called being lazy. And then you feel a little guilty and guilty people are always angry people. And then you start taking it out on the people around you who've got to walk around your underpants all the time on the floor. (laughs) I know this is going to hurt your feelings, but look, some of you can keep your underpants off the floor, but you are very undisciplined in your relationships. You're extremely undisciplined. You got to roll your eyes when you, they say something. Like, is that what you do? You roll your eyes? No, that's what 2 girls do when they're watching a TV show. Yeah, sure. Is that how adults argue? Come on. I'll just keep preaching. I learned how to do this from my parents. And then I learned how to keep a tool pouch straight. And then I learned how to do a lot of bigger jobs. And I never, we never lost money in a job. And I can't remember. And here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing that discipline will allow. I never had to remember a job that I walked away from. I would have this at the shop all the time. They'd be like, hey, you remember the Anderson job? (laughs) I'd be like, no. (laughs) Like Anderson job. Nope. Like it was less than a year ago. You were there for a month. (laughs) You know why? Because I freed up my mental space. Mm -hmm. Because we had a thing, zero callbacks. The only thing we go back for is changing light bulbs. That's it. And I don't have to remember. I'd get on the site and be like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember this. But then I can like go and leave it and check a box and go on to the next job and not worry about it catching up with me because we cut corners. And every time you leave a shirt on the ground, you're going to want to cut corners the next time. So we just learned, get it right. And then because everybody makes mistakes, have somebody double check it. And then I'm going to send somebody else and triple check it. And then when we walk away, Sean knows, man. Sean was on some of those sites. He knows how fussy. Look, if you don't have time to do it right, you don't have time to do it twice. And then you can walk away and forget about it because it's done now, now I'm taking too long with this, but listen, whatever big thing God wants to do in your destiny or fixing your life, we'll start with something inconsequential today. And if you can get this thing right, you'll get that thing and you'll get the miracle too. I love, I was reading in my devotions of uh, the story of the five loaves and two fish feeding tens of thousands of people. It says 5,000 men were there plus women and children. And they all go to hear Jesus preach. And, and then all of a sudden, they're like, everybody's hungry because it's went on too long and there, there's no McDonald's out there and Jesus is like, hey, we got to feed this crowd and then the disciples are like, we didn't pack Jesus at lunch. <laughs> we got problems now. Guess who sermon, the sermon's going to be about next? People who don't pack lunches for Jesus. One paranoid mom who was disciplined, who had good habits, sent her boy out of the house. It's the only food that we see there with five little loaves and two little fish. One paranoid mom's like, whoa, 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 where are you going? To see Jesus? You better take a lunch. This might go on longer. It might be, you might be in a place you don't expect. Take a lunch. That is the seed of the miracle that fed tens of thousands of people. Yeah. The seed of the miracle is already in your hand. You just got to make sure you pack your lunch. Now let's hear about Jehoshaphat's father who started as a great reformer in Israel, but then his habits got him out of the blessing of God. And Jehoshaphat is watching this and we're going to study how Asa fell and how Jehoshaphat rose because he learned what his father refused to do. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, that's his father, King Bash of Israel, all the kings of Israel were psychos. They invaded Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from uh, entering or leaving Uh, the judas territory asa responded by removing the silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple of the lord listen to this and the royal palace now god is like dude you can touch your stuff but what are you doing in my temple yeah Yeah. kings stay in your lane Mm -hmm. you have your house you can do whatever you want to with that but don't you walk walk into the temple come on can i preach government government you got enough problems don't come into the temple. Because all of this came from that. He's like, you, you don't look like a priest. What are you doing in the temple? Are you taking all the treasury out of the temple because you're afraid of... He's concentrating on somebody else's kingdom. He's concentrating on somebody else's problem. He's concentrating. He thinks that he can solve it like that. And don't don't steal from Jesus. So, okay, watch this, watch this. He responded... Um, sorry, uh, and he gave it... He sent it to King... Uh, the king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, along with this message, let there be a treaty between you and me. Break off your agreement with King Basha of Israel. So he did something that made sense in the natural, because he was starting to discredit the work of God and the house of God and God himself. He was starting to think that his position didn't have to allow him good behavior anymore. That he didn't have to, he wasn't, he was above what everybody else in the nation was expected to, how they were expected to treat the priest. Watch what happens when God sends a prophet to let him know that, hey, your habits are awful, buddy, and you're going to affect a lot of people. The seer came to him, Hanani, and told him, because you put your trust in the king of Aram instead of the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy his army. He's like, hey, this is your enemy here, and you're going to, you missed your chance because you stole from Jesus to go and hire that. Yeah. He's like, yeah. God's like, I wanted that thing off of the neck of Israel. What are you doing? He said, don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and Libyans and their vast army? He's like, just remember a few years ago with all their chariots and charioteers. At that time, you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you. Now you're relying on money. Not even your money. He's like the eyes of the Lord. The prophet says, search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. Asa, you're not fully committed. Some of y'all used to be fully committed to God, but then you let these little things creep in. You're not fully committed anymore. He said, what a fool you've been. From now on, you will be at war. Ooh. He's saying, I can't protect what you won't do. Wow. I, I can't protect you if you want to disobey and let these things slide in your heart and your disciplines and your morality. You, he goes, how can I protect that? That's outside of my protection. You got to bring that back in under the cover. Yeah. But he did not respond to correction. Now, God is going to send you your small group person. Your, somebody, some of y'all, God sends your kids to you and you just won't listen. Mom, why are you so mad? Why are you yelling at us in the grocery store? (laughs) This is what he does. He he had bad emotional habits. He let himself get angry and think that he could because he was under more pressure than everybody. He became angry. He threw the prophet into prison and put him in stocks. He said, I'm essential to this and you are not. Mm -hmm. Careful when you do that to somebody who's speaking with the voice of God. No, 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 no. God first, guys. God first. At that time, Asa began to oppress some of the people. And your bad behavior eventually becomes uh, uh, something that oppresses the people around you. It oppresses them. Now, the trouble is he felt oppressed. Don't miss that. He felt like these other nations were oppressing him, but he was the one doing the oppressing. Mm -hmm. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Discipline. Your good habits tells everybody around you that you don't think you're special. Mm -hmm. Let your mom tell you you're special, but don't you think that you are. Mm -hmm. Come on. You mean I'm not special to God? Yes, you're special to God. All my kids are special to me, but they can't think that they're super special and above the rules and above the house rules and above treating other people like Jesus wants them to. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Get this, get this. Why a serious foot disease? Yet, even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help because he'd cut himself off from the temple, but turned only to his physicians. Now, that sounds like Canada in 2020. We did not seek the source of hope and the source of healing and the source of economy. and the so We did not seek the source. Yeah. We closed it. Mm-hmm. He, did, he turned only to the physicians. We have physicians in the house here. And they're like, you know, like his king's Asus physicians must have been like, dude, we can't fix this. Yeah. Maybe you should pray. Maybe you should release the prophet. Yeah. Because we can't do this for you. We've done everything that we know how to do why would we put this on the medical system they don't know what to do Uh, come on he only trusted his physicians what about god well what about the god who protects us from disease and the god who protects us and thinks thoughts of good towards us so he died in the 41st year of his reign don't miss that if you want to lock up the prophet that god sends you then that foot disease he can't protect you from it and that foot disease made him unable to move around the way that god wanted him to he locked up the voice of God and God, God, he couldn't stop it from him being locked up. And this is like when you and I, we get so self-righteous with our habits and with somebody else and we get so focused on somebody else's problems that we nail our foot on the ground and then wonder why it hurts and wonder why we keep going in circles. And this is what happened to him and it's not what God wanted. Look, some of your habits, you don't even know that you have anymore. You need somebody to come and call it. Yeah. Just Give somebody permission. You'll be happy in the end. Yeah. Jehoshaphat rules in Judah. Then Jehoshaphat, King Asas, son. You ready? Watch the, the 180 degree. He, he, comes, he becomes the next king. He strengthened Judah to stand against any attack from Israel. He's like, my dad was worried about other kingdoms. It's not other kingdoms. It's us. Yeah. He strengthened this kingdom. You cannot strengthen somebody else outside of you. You can strengthen yourself. I don't mean not, don't encourage them. You can't fix their habits. Gotcha. The problem is your habits. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, we got bad habits. That's, where, that's why we're susceptible. He stationed troops in the fortified towns of Judah and assigned additional garrisons to the land of Judah and to the towns of Ephraim that his father Asa had captured. He's like, my dad spent so much time trying to capture that he didn't spend time maintaining. And why would God give you a promise? You spend 95% of your time praying for success, but you won't spend the actual amount of time it takes to maintain it he's like, I know my dad got it wrong. We're not going to get this wrong. We're going to maintain it. So it says the Lord established Jehoshaphat's control over the kingdom of Judah. All the people of Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat. I hope that that happens to you. And he became very wealthy and highly esteemed. He was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. Why? Because he highly esteemed God. He highly esteemed the voice of the prophet. He removed the pagan shrines and the Asherah poles from Judah. Judah was mixing worship and mixing religion. You know, the devil doesn't mind if you mix God with something else in hockey. He doesn't mind. He didn't mind. The devil didn't mind it. He'll, just, he'll, he'll sub himself off. Yeah. He was deeply committed. The people of Israel had fallen into bad habits. They were worshiping other things. He stopped it. He did what his dad wouldn't do. In the third year of this reign, he sent officials to teach in all the towns of Judah. This is, my, this is the most powerful part of this sermon. He sent his government officials to teach in the towns of Judah. What were they teaching? Speed limits and bylaws. What were they teaching? What were they teaching? If I could give some a little counsel to the government right now. What were they teaching? What are they teaching? They took copies of the book of the law of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. They took copies of the book of the law of the Lord and traveled around through all the towns of Judah teaching the people. Hey, yeah. they said, Jehoshaphat's like, look, yeah, government, that's great, but this all comes from that. Yeah. You know what he did? He went to the temple and got the law of the Lord. Yeah. And he's like, all that we have comes from this. If we teach this, we don't have to teach the government laws anymore. If we, teach, if we teach, listen, Canada, how to love your neighbor like Jesus loves your neighbor, you don't have to teach the law anymore. You don't have to flog people about the law if we teach the law of God. But it worries me when government starts speaking on the issues of morality. It worries me when business starts talking morality. What right do you have to talk about morality and what's right and what's wrong? That belongs to the temple. You have got to bring God back into the conversation here. And then, why? Because this is what God wants to do to your enemies, to what the devil is doing. Then the fear of the Lord fell over all the surrounding kingdoms, so none of them even wanted to declare war on Jehoshaphat. His habits made him a steward of the power of God. So Jehoshaphat became more and more powerful and built fortresses and storage cities throughout Judah. He stored numerous supplies in Judah's towns and stationed an army of seasoned troops at Jerusalem. I said, if the devil can get you to fixate on on something else. If the devil can get you to fixate on them out there, he'll sub himself out. Here's what the devil wants you to fixate on. Somebody else's tool bag and keeping it straight. Work on your own tool bag. Quit trying to fix somebody else's tool bag. You got a tool bag, work on your own tool bag and keep your own tool bag straight. If he can get you to fixate on that, he won't even have to fight you. You'll fight yourself. You'll destroy yourself. The next thing I want to say and the last thing I want to say is change one habit this week. Change one habit this week. This is how it will help. The word of God says, do everything as unto the Lord. So the next time you use your toothpaste and you squeeze it in the middle, <laughs> and you put your wet toothbrush back in that drawer. Think to, my, think to yourself, if Jesus had to use that toothpaste, how would I squeeze the tube? Well, my husband ain't Jesus is part of the problem. Can we talk about how to put a toilet paper roll back on? You use the last piece of toilet paper and the son of the living God needs to borrow your guest washroom. Is this getting weird? You the king of England now or is he the king of everything? Do it as unto the Lord. When you're in an argument, act like the Lord is sitting beside you in an argument for the love of heaven and everything pure and holy. Quit rolling your eyes. Quit being angry. Just relax. and Just be like, hey, This is going to be up to you, God. I'm going to play by the rules. I'm going to do this right. I'm going to serve my conscience informed by the will of heaven in the name of Jesus. And then watch God bring revival to this nation.